Hello, everybody. I am Mike Westendorf, and welcome to Great Questions, Great Conversations, a podcast out of St. Paul's Muskego in the Bridge in Muskego, Wisconsin, in which we talk about uh, questions that come up, and uh, they oftentimes lead to some fantastic conversations. And we just want to invite you to be a part of this. Uh, you can certainly leave comments uh, in the YouTube or Spotify, wherever that you might be listening in from. Uh, shoot us off an email. We would love to hear from you. Um, joined with me today is uh, Erica Dresden and Paul Schusler, uh, who joined me last week as well. And we are talking about a topic on leadership. So first of all, good morning to the two of you. Hello, everybody. Good morning. How you doing, Mike? Right on time, man. I'm doing, Hi, Erica. I'm, I'm doing well. Uh, great to have you guys here. And for all of our listeners, um, where are we going? Well, this is kind of lessons in leadership, uh, part two. And to give a little bit of biblical framework, there's two Bible passages I'm putting on it. Why, why are you listening to this? Why should you spend the next uh, half hour, 45 minutes with us? Um, it's up to you. But uh, we are big believers in growing in our ability to influence people, lead people well from a Christian standpoint. So the Bible is our foundation. And out of that, we are kind of talking about uh, some leadership points that were shared with us through a blog post by a guy named Kerry Newhoff, who does a lot of uh, leadership podcasts on, on his own. Very, very effective in bringing uh, leadership principles to life. And so we're going to be talking about uh, six of the 25 today. But to get us started, uh, Paul and Erica, I'm going to jump into two places that kind of set a, uh, a little bit of a high bar. Want us to think about it this way. Leadership is influence. That's what leadership is. Leadership is influence. And all of us have influence. All of us have seasons in life and positions in life, uh, friends, groups, family, work, in which we lead and in which we follow. And uh, two Bible passages that came to mind as we say, why should I strive to lead better? especially if you're somebody who doesn't see yourself as a leader. Why, why should I? James chapter 3, verse 1, the Bible says we need to think about leadership with some seriousness. He says this, Not many of you should become teachers, my fellow believers, because you know that we who teach will be judged more strictly. Which is like, well, I'm not going to be a teacher in a school, and I'm not going to be a teacher in a church, but if you're a parent, you're a teacher at home. And there's a day coming where you may be teaching in other spaces and training in other spaces. Um, so uh, a serious note there. And then Paul also then will say something like this in First Timothy, in which he's helping Timothy learn how to be a good leader in the church. But I think, that again, this applies to leaders, Christian leaders, period. He says this, be diligent in these matters. Give yourself wholly to them so that everyone may see your progress. Watch your life and doctrine closely. Persevere in them, because if you do, you will save both yourself and your hearers. So Erica and Paul, before we jump into the leadership you know, nuggets, when you hear those two um, passages, how do they make you feel? What comes to mind? you push back? Do you run away? Do you embrace it? Uh, why are these passages, and from a leadership standpoint, do you think important? Um, the first thing that comes to mind is, oh, maybe I should be doing more. Um, <laughs> maybe I'm not. Maybe I'm not doing enough. Um, thinking about um, leadership specifically, um, it it really makes you think about, am, am I following his way? Am I doing what his word says to the absolute best of my ability? Um, and it, that really calls then for some self-reflection and some, some looking inward. Um, and I think of course we can always be better. Every single one of us, we can always be better. Um, but I think these passages specifically, they kind of raise the question, um, am I, am I teaching in a space where I could be teaching um, and either I don't think I'm good enough or um, I don't feel like I have the time or whatever it may be, we can all always be doing more. Yeah. As you're talking, I'm thinking, was I even aware that this is the bar? 
Like I know for me mm-hmm. as a parent, I, I was not thinking about the reality that I'm a teacher at home. I mean, I knew that, but I wasn't thinking about it seriously. And and even take it one step further. I am I am the pastor of my family church when my children are young, especially and my wife and I together are the shepherds of that family. And their experience with what it means to be part of the body of Christ is actually being grown in my own family. Ooh, then you come across Paul saying, be diligent in these matters. Watch your life and your doctrine closely. Oh, my goodness. Um, I might need some help, which is why we're talking about this. Paul, did you have a, a, any reaction, response to these two passages as we begin? Yeah, thanks. Thanks for opening it up with scripture, Mike. I, you know, Eric, I can, I, I agree wholeheartedly, you know, that sometimes the response to, to, to a, a scripture passage that kind of says, many of you should not teach everybody kind of recoils in fear and says, okay, I'm going okay, to, no, I'm not going to do it. But, right. You know, the, the reality is, is I, you know, I think what James is getting at is, and, you know, being a teacher for a long time, you learn more with time and experience how important it is to really take seriously what you're doing. You can't just go into it not really considering the weight of whatever you're presenting to people and the way you present it to, whether you're a you're a formal teacher or a pastor or a leader of a company or a leader of a group of some sort, you know, whatever your realm is that you know that that you, you you've always got the opportunity to lead people in a positive way right to encourage support to build or or you've got the opportunity to do the opposite right mm-hmm. and you bring in kind of the <laughs> the the ugliness of our sinful life right and that's what gets seen and and it, it that that can be a scary look you know when it's like do as i do as i say you know i'm i this, I, i'm pointing the finger at myself as a dad right now right do as i say and don't do as i do right now as i'm getting frustrated and and showing you what really i don't want you to be doing mm-hmm. i i want to encourage you in a better way but the way i'm going about it is not very good and you know i think it, it takes time to work through that, but it really relates back to some of the, the the topics that we chose to talk about last week, which are, boy, it really matters that you put yourself in a sphere of people who are going to encourage you to walk this way and to live this way and behave this way. You know, and I think Paul was doing that to Timothy where he's like, hey, I'm here. I'm your mentor. Follow my example. You know, surround yourself with people who are going to lift you up, build you up and encourage you in the direction that you've been sent on, right. To know what's true and pure. And, and so I, you know, that's, that's where I say, it's just a strong caution that we've got to take seriously. Like know what you look like, (laughs) Mm -hmm. know where your heart is, know what your goal is so that you can lead people in a way that is a blessing to them, you know, whether it's your family or wherever you might be. So I, that's a huge one for me. (laughs) Yeah, let's, let's, well, let's start with you, because we were talking off air, just, you know, we're going to do two apiece, um, the last, our last podcast, it was 50 minutes, um, we had a chance to be able to talk about this stuff, I mean, that's, it's amazing how, how short the time can go as you start talking about these topics, but let's get you started, um, I think you're number 20, uh, again, this is off of a, a blog that's in the show notes, um, and you can click, click on that, and you can see what we're, what we're reading, or what we're going off of. Um, but you you selected number 20, and I think that's a really good place for us to start uh, with that. So why don't you read that and and get us started on that that uh, leadership? Yeah. Sure. Yeah. So so number 20 is and I, I maybe I'd substitute a bigger number in there. Uh, it says work twice as hard on your character as you do on your competency. And, you know, that that struck a bell with me because. You know, I think as Christians in the back of your mind, you've always got the fruits of the spirit and the encouragement of scripture to 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 be a representative of Christ. But sometimes what that looks like in the world or training in that or developing in that is not very clear hmm. or obvious. And however, 
you know, through school, through college, in the workplace, the competency, the expertise and some skill is highly emphasized, right? That's the outcome. Very much so. You know, but in reality, really what most people want all the time is not a highly skilled individual. It's a highly dependable individual, really, which has nothing to do with the skill. The skill is going to be a blessing, but it's who you are. The fact that you are trustworthy, you have integrity, you're going to represent the company, you're going to take care of the job that you're asked to do. You're going to speak in a way that builds people up, you know, and, and so that one stood out to me and, and being a parent too, like you, you see the, the heart of your children and, and then you start to, you, you have to deal with this. Like, who, who are you? Who am I raising you to be? What, when you go out into the world, what are they going to see? You know, so it's a fear factor, right? <laughs> but it's also, I, I want you to be, I want you to be a blessing to everybody that you bump into out in the world, right? Whoever's in your circle of influence, I want them to see a heart that, you know, loves people, cares for people, takes care of people, so, and an energy that's about that too, you know? So Erica, um, you know, I'm curious to get your take uh, on that. And you're you're now heading into your later twenties. Um, was this as you as you came through schooling and things of that nature? How much did this get talked about? How much? How do you relate to this particular nugget? I'm really glad. Yeah, I'm really glad that Paul brought up the aspect of training and education and schooling at a young age and how um, you know coming out of college a few years ago, um, there were no classes on how to be a better person. <laughs> and it's, it's interesting, right? It's interesting to think about what the world would be like if we took classes and we were trained on how to be good people, kind people. Um, and I will always tell people this. Sometimes it's really hard, you know, um, to as I'm paying off student loans and everything to be like, what is this piece of paper for? Mm. Um, but there was, there's, there was one class I took in my four years of college. Uh, I don't remember barely anything else. I don't remember um, the lectures, but there was one class that I took in college and it was on forgiveness. Oh, um, really? it, I think it was actually called forgive. It was called forgiveness 101. Wow. Um, and it was the only class in my four years that I actually took something with me. Um, and I just, it's, it's interesting to think about a world. What would the world be like if there was more of that, if there was more training on, um, you know, forgiving people, forgiving yourself. Um, and you know, when you, and then when you think about, especially coming out of the secular world, the jobs that I had previous to, you know, working in ministry at St. Paul's, um, you know, that wasn't, that wasn't part of the interview process of, um, well, you know, how faithful are you? How kind are you? You know, um, it, and it's just so different, but those things are important in the workplace, at home. Those things are important. You know, you can be as successful as you can be, but if if you are treating your cohorts or your employees um, as less than, how far is that really going to get you in life, really? Right. You said, uh, you know, is, is just a couple of, of additional context sentences. Uh, competency is not the main key to success. Character is your competency will take you only as far as your character can sustain you. I I just thought that was like there's there's a there's your tweetable moment, if you will. Uh, <laughs> uh, that that rang true to me as as I was reading through that. And you have to work, you know, Paul. Maybe just speak into this, but because we talk about this all the time, back and forth in our offices. It requires work to work on your character. Um, why are we so well, opposed to working hard on our character? Yeah, well, I, I, you know, that's a good question. You know, I, so sometimes I, I just revert back to, well, you only know what you know, right? Mm -hmm. You, if you, if you don't know what's important to work on or you're not in an environment that is challenging you to work on it, but you don't need to, right? 
Which is, by the and way, so, why we thought this topic was important to talk about is we want to bring this up because we think that the, that that leading is something that most of us are, actually do and that we don't talk about it. And if you don't know about it, you can't get called to, to a higher level of it. Oh, for sure. I mean, you, you look at, <laughs> well, you know, let's just let's just lay it out as clearly as we can. Like you look at any, you know, social media site or you look at you know, TV today and, and oftentimes you kind of are, you, your stomach turns a little bit because of the mm -hmm. example that's being portrayed, but you know, it's like, it, you know, in the face of something that's not very good or you're, you're, you're challenged with, right. That that's where the character aspect of, well, okay, what do we do about it then? You know, or who are we going to be in the face of this mess? Right. And that's where, you know, there, there's hope, real hope in the Bible that, well, okay, we're going to turn from the, the mess to the solution to the mess, which is really only to God and in prayer and to, to other wise Christians that you, that you know, who are going to guide you and provide wisdom for you, you know, and. So you're kind of, you're kind of yeah, on the idea of community. Right. I, I, oh, well, I, I, I want to keep them. We're dead without it. Right. What's that? I, I said, we're dead without it. Toast. Right. We're toast without yeah. it. Hey, Erica, you're a, you're a, um, you know, you, you've been doing the, the training, you know, the physical training and stuff like that. I mean, that's hard work. In your opinion, what does hard work on your character look like? Like what, what does it take? Yeah, what I mean, you know, like if we say oh. I want to go, I want to get better, more physically fit. I know yeah. what I can go do. You know, if I want to get better, yeah, at it, I'm gonna work with golf, and I'm going to go with Paul, who's going to tell me all the things that I'm doing wrong. But character, yeah. how do you work on it? <laughs> it's the it's the dedication, and I think we touched on this last week, but holding yourself accountable to something. Um. If, if I truly, in my heart of hearts, I have pure intentions and I want to be um, a better sister or a better friend to this one person, um, I have to hold myself accountable. I can't just kind of kind of glide through those relationships or glide through these challenges in life. I really need to um, actively take a step back, think about it, okay, then we can act and move forward. Um, and then it's checking in with yourself being like, okay, was that the right thing? Was that the wrong thing? What could have been better? Um, I think the holding yourself accountable, um, when it comes to your character and the person that you want to be and, um, the type of Christian you want to be is it's, that's key at the end of the day. I think I'm going to jump and piggyback off on that. Um, I'm going to go to my, my next nugget that Carrie wrote that I thought was really uh, an important one. And that's uh, number 10 for those of you who are following on the on that blog post, but it, it's this relentlessly pursue self-awareness. Relentlessly pursue self-awareness is one of the leadership, leadership nuggets. Um, Self-aware people make the best leaders and frankly are the easiest people to hang out with in life. Chances are your favorite people are people who are deeply self-aware, but it doesn't come naturally. Over the last 10 years or so, I've spent um, a fair amount of time with the whole strengths, uh, strengths finder and some of the personality um, typing stuff. Uh, the Enneagram has been one that I've been uh, doing a lot of research on as well. And man, that has, that has been helpful. The whole purpose was to try to understand my blind spots better. Uh, but then when I was leading in the secular world, I was finding that it was hard for me sometimes to mentor uh, some of my staff uh, or understand my bosses, quite frankly, um, until we started becoming more intentional about the strengths piece of things, because we all have blind spots I can't see them, but you can. But if I could be more aware of them and aware of how my, my healthy mental state or my unhealthy mental state impacts other people around me, I could be a lot more proactive about um, yeah, well, getting healthy when I'm not uh, and understanding how I need to get that help and what that help would actually look like. 
Um, by the way, strengths, this idea that just when I use my strengths for other people, you will experience me in the best possible way. And I love how biblical that is. You know, be humble, value people above yourself, use your gifts, 1 Peter 4, 7 through 11, use your gifts for one another. And he talks about hospitality and prayer and things of that nature. And I, and I love that that's when it is. But when I am not healthy, when I am self-centered or fearful, you will typically experience me uh, in a much less positive light as I become more direct, more uh, more easily frustrated, more blunt, not caring about my comments as much. And you guys can know that I'm I'm stuck someplace but I can't see it. And so this idea of relentlessly pursuing self-awareness, I think ties very nicely into 20. What does it take to work on your character? You better start getting to know yourself. And there are tools that are out there to do that. Either of you care to comment on number 10? Yeah, well, I'll jump in, Eric, if that's okay. Um, you know, I love towards the end, he says, you know, our natural inclination is that we're blind to the impact that we have on other people, right? Yeah. Because, it, it, and this goes to the, to the pride factor again, you know, yeah. me first, <laughs> you last. And God says, nope, we're going <laughs> to, the, the way that I created you is different. That person first, right? And then you last. And of course, that's with him being ultimately the first one that is teaching us that we, humble ourselves i you know as you were as you were talking mike i the the example that stood out to me is uh matthew 7 3 and why worry about a speck in your friend's eye when you have a log in your own right i love that one <laughs> it's like oh yeah well okay first i like i technically i can't even see clearly is what it's saying um you know and so uh, yeah but what's funny is you know uh the 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 gospel you know matthew immediately follows that up with something that i i think is one of the foundational aspects of being a christian that really everybody neglects too often he says so don't judge other people right to first take a look at yourself and how are you doing right because you're ultimately responsible for yourself you're not responsible for other people you have to take responsibility for yourself you can influence other people right but you can't do that until you take responsibility for yourself and how you're acting to influence but he immediately follows that section up right pull the log out of your eye or get a friend to help pull the log out of your eye and he says turn to prayer right here's what here's something you can do to get more self-awareness keep on asking and you will receive what you have or keep on seeking and you will find because eventually you're going to run into God and God is going to be the answer to everything that you need. And, you know, I just love the, the, <laughs> here's the situation, but here's the solution, right? right. So, okay. you know, like Eric said, what do we do to train? You know, what is the hard work of training? You know, I think that's part of it is just growing in prayer growing in our knowledge of, of who God wants us to be, right? Who do you, who yeah, do you call good. us to be? What does that actually look like, right? What and, do you, you know, those are, so that's an effective piece that, you know, jumped out to me. Did you have anything that you wanted to add, Eric? Yeah. Sure, yeah. And it's a just to, just to touch on it at the end there, because Paul really summed it up nicely, but it is a practice. It's not going to happen overnight. And in it's okay not to put that expectation on yourself. Um, you know, it takes time. And a lot of this too is unlearning things. Mm. If you grew up a certain way or around certain people, or you were raised a certain way that um, wasn't in a positive light, um, that's going to be hard as, as a, you know, preteen, teenager into young adulthood um, to have all these great life lessons if you've never learned them. Yeah. Um, so being patient with people, um, giving, if there are things that you just don't know yet in life, giving yourself the time and patience to unlearn some things. And it's, it is a practice. It's a daily practice. It's dedication. Um, you have to be motivated to find that self-awareness. Um, all of those things, um, they go hand in hand, but just <laughs> 
it's like, just keep at it. <laughs> I, I appreciate that you went there. That, that, that again, it, it is a process. And so much of this is not, like you said, I, you know, in the, in the educational system, it is basically learn something, test on something to prove competency. And yet, um, how much of that still we have to experience through failure and failing forward. And then we find out 10, 15 years later, it's like, man, I really wish that I'd known this. We're, as, a, as a team, we're all reading this book called Boundaries. Um, and I, I mean, I think all of us have gone, man, I, A, it makes sense. B, it's, it's biblical. But holy cow, if I could have had this information, just, I, I mean, there's information here about, you know, the, the, rethinking what's happening with our children literally from zero to six months, six months to a year. I mean, what, what those cries and whines and temper tantrum and devilish behavior really are is part of the boundary setting process. And it's like, I missed most of those cues and I can't go back. And so part of what we're hoping is that, that uh, people might learn them earlier in life and be able to apply them in this, in a way that's successful. But be kind to yourself. And I'm glad that you mentioned that forgiveness piece too. the class on forgiveness, Erica, because mm -hmm. you gotta, you gotta go back to the cross. I mean, all, all of this is going to feel like law and should and shame. Um, if you don't realize that God every day is saying you're loved, you're forgiven, get up and start again. So Erica, you're the, you're the next one up. Uh, what was one of your uh, leadership nuggets? Um, both of mine actually, you know, I think, you know, they go hand in hand a little bit, but we can start with number oh, one. We can do them hand in hand. It'll, it'll kind of condense our time a little bit. Okay, perfect. Um, we'll start with number one, then deal with your issues early. Um, <laughs> I think there's a reason this is maybe number one on the list. Um, <laughs> because if you deal with your issues, everything else can come after. Um, learning some hard lessons the past few years of my life. Um losing friendships, gaining friendships, going through different life transitions. The thing, one, one of the most important things that I've come out of all of this and that I'm still learning is that I cannot control other people. Mm. I cannot control how they act. I can, whether it, it affects me directly or indirectly, I can't affect what they, I can't control what they say. All I can do again, going back to, I can look inward and I can look up at the cross. Um, and I, I underlined here, it says in the, in the blog post under number one, you are the common denominator in everything that's happened to you. So deal with you. <laughs> and that's like that statement. It kind of makes me laugh. It kind of makes me want to cry. Like, it, you know, because it's, you know, when someone burns or someone hurts you or you're going through something that you just didn't ask for, it's so easy to be like, why is this happening to me? It's everyone else's fault. Um, I wish this wasn't the case. I wish this person was different because then I wouldn't be going through this. Um, well, reality check, you can't change any of that. Um, all you can really do at the end of the day is look inward. Um, what can what can Erica change? Mm. What how can I talk differently? How can I act differently? Um, it's, um, I'm gonna, I want to, I want to Google this so I don't get it wrong. I believe it was, um, and this kind of then goes into number 18, but I think it was an Eleanor Roosevelt quote. And she said, it's one of my favorites. And I used to have it on my mirror. It says, no one can make you feel inferior without your consent. Um, and when I was going through a certain time in my life, that one really helped me, um, because it, it made me, she, that quote, it makes you look inside, um, without, without Erica's consent. Um, I will not, and going back to boundaries again, we can kind of tie all this in together. I won't let anyone cross that boundary. Um, all I can do is look inward and, and hopefully make myself, um, better when I come out the other end. Right. Which of course is a, fo a foundational piece of, I mean, when you're built on the foundation, that's where the better actually comes from is Christ. Yep. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So 18, um, yeah, so, what? Uh, 18, my next one, find the high road and live on it. Hmm. Um, and that's, I, yeah, I think the, that Eleanor Roosevelt quote kind of ties those in together. Um, the high road is the hard road, but it's the best road take it every time. 
Um, and as, as everyone has experienced in life, um, anger, hurt, pain, you know, you just, you know, you want to take revenge or you want to stick it to that other person. Um, uh, looked up Luke nine twenty three. Um, then he said to the crowd, if any of you wants to be my follower, you must give up your own way, take up your cross daily and follow me. And it's interesting the amount of times Jesus uses you and your, um, you must give up your own way, um, take up your cross and then follow me. Um, it's a lot of big ideas and, but I think it's, it's helpful. I always, at the end of the day, no matter how hurt I am, I always go back to Jesus. Um, I really, and it sounds so corny and it's like, it needs to be on a t-shirt, but that, that question of what would Jesus do? Mm -hmm. Um, you know, you've been burned, you've been hurt, you've been in pain due to someone else's actions. Okay, Erica, what would you, what would Jesus do? I ask myself that more than once a day, Mm -hmm. um, because I, I want to live the way that he lived. It's never going to be perfect, but if at the end of the day, if I can, if I can go to bed with my heart and soul at ease, knowing that I did the best that I could to live the way that he does and follow him through, um, it's going to be okay. And I think there's another part of it too, that I've had to remind myself. And that was another hard lesson that I've learned these last few years is that hurt people hurt people. And going back to some people don't know what they don't know. Some people, and they, they, they take that and they, they use it against you or they hurt you with it. Um, what would Jesus do? What would he say? What would he think? Um, pray for that person, find peace with the situation, with the turmoil, with the pain. Um, and you'll find yourself, you will find yourself this, this, this weight will be lifted. Um, when you do not use other people's actions against you, when you, when you stop carrying them, because really there's nothing you could do yeah, about them. All you can do is look inward. That's the idea of taking the high road, you know, Paul, as soon as she, as soon as Erica said, you know, you pick up your cross, you, you, you carry, you know, I was just thinking, Oh, I bet you Paul is ready to jump in on that one. There's some responsibility <laughs> that's going on here. Oh, you, you said a lot. Well, Erica, and, Thank you. Um, you know, I, there, there's a lot there, but you know, I, Mm -hmm. the, 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 the high road and then your, what your other one, number one, boy, um, what was my thought? So here, this, I, you know, I think I'm always, I'm always trying to think, okay, so let's try and let's try and identify the obvious, right. And it's stated there, we've all got issues, right. We're, we're sinful creatures, you know, we're battling the sin in our flesh and then we've got the devil attacking us and misleading us and we've got the world's influence that is not correct, guiding us in a direction that's away from God. And, you know, so the reality is the the whole, you don't know what you don't know is the solution. God's solution to that is to be in community, right? It's, you know, and, and right now we're experiencing that the aftermath of COVID and this prolonged isolation that people are still kind of stuck in that idea of, no, we don't want to be together with people. But in reality, that's God's solution, right? Is the church, you know, I am here and you you have support, you have encouragement. And the hope is, is that it's it's good. I know even the people in the church mess it up because there's, we're all sinful, but you know, the reality is, is that when you, when you do have relationships that are for your best and people are for your good, that you get to see it in action, right? You kind of know what it looks like. You get to experience it. And then, you know, from there, you then get to carry it on to, to your next group, right? To influence them with that experience. And when that when that doesn't exist, right, or the experience itself, like growing up in the family or, you know, in an environment where you're being, uh, you know, it's not good, right? You, you, 
it, it takes time to, to change that, right. To, to be in that good company and to have leaders who are going to encourage you. And, and, you know, to be honest, part of the one, sometimes the hard part of leadership is you got to have that honest conversation, right? Like, I love you enough to tell you that, boy, I'm going to help you pull that log out of you. <laughs> it's, it's blocking what you're supposed to be doing or what, you know, it's, it's hindering you. Yeah. Um, but I, I, yeah. So, you know, is, is, is there are a couple passages, but um, this last one, take the high road. This is an old quote to Charles Swindoll's attitude quote. Have you guys ever heard that one before? I don't think I have. My dad gave it to me early, so it's always been up in the house at some point. But here's here's what he said. Um, the longer I live, the more I realize the impact of attitude on life. Attitude is more important than facts. It's more important than all this stuff. We cannot change the inevitable, all the stuff that's going to happen to us, right? You can't, there's, yeah. as much as you want to, you can't change that. The only thing we can do is play the one string we have. And you you said this, Erica, right? And that is our attitude, right? Mm -hmm. I am convinced that life is, he says 10% what happens to me and 90% how I react to it. And I would, mm -hmm. I would actually use, use a different term rather than react, which is kind of this, you know, this, this immediate, almost uh, natural, which sometimes mm -hmm. isn't the best. It would be take a step back and then respond to life, you know, where you, you think through what's going on and, and you apply God's truth as a, you know, as a, a weapon against the attack or whatever's happening out there, you know? And w w when you look at it like that, it, it kind of simplifies things quite a bit, right? <laughs> All that out there, I don't have to worry about, right? you know, it's just this, this mess right here that yep. <laughs> I've got yeah. to work on. Yep. Yeah, well, it just that idea of the world is on his shoulders. Um, Pastor, so I can take it off of mine. Um, Pastor Pete shared that with me uh, last fall when I was going through a life transition. Um, he shared that with me. And it was it was one of those light bulb moments. It was like, God's got this. I do not have to put all this pressure on myself and the pain in the world and how other people have hurt me and how I have hurt other people and, and how awful it is. Um, he has it. Um, and that was, that was truly life-changing for me to, to remind yourself that, um, take the pressure off. He has it, but still, you know, still look to him, of course. You know, we're talking in, in, uh, our ministry team, as we get ready for a sermon, um, coming up that Moses is in the wilderness with all the, the people and they're complaining to him about, we don't have any meat to eat. We were, we really want meat to eat and we don't have any. And it's just fascinating to me that um, he takes on the burden of feeding all the people instead of going to God. So he goes to God with his own complaint. Hey, it, they're all asking me for food. And, it, you know, if this is the way that, you know, you're going to deal with me and put me in this, just put me out of my misery. And it's just when we're going through that, it's just it's funny to me how quickly we will put the responsibility of whatever the outcome is on our own shoulders, you know, uh, for Paul and I, as parents, you know, we're wrestling with, with some of our, our stuff. And as we're dealing with our kids and helping them grow and mature, and I feel very responsible for the outcome. And thank you, Erica, for the reminder. It's like, no, I mean, that's not your responsibility, how they turn out because they're a part of that too. The whole you idea how can I use the leadership that I have? Well, when he, when when somebody comes at me, take the high road, um, look in the mirror first. All of those kinds of things. This is really good. Mm -hmm. um, two more quick ones because we're running running short on time. Uh, so, Paul, you you've got one more. I got one more. Uh, what was your other nugget uh, leadership nugget for us to consider? Uh, well, <laughs> self confession. This is one that I kick myself for not being over and over, which is why um, God blessed me with marrying a woman who is this. Right, it's the last one, 25. 25. Be bold. I I am not, I sometimes I can fake it. Like I, I pretend like I'm bold. 
Um, <laughs> but, uh, you know, in reality, like boldness is, that's a character trait that everybody looks up to, right? Somebody who appears to have no fear is willing to step out and take chances. And I'm just kind of a big fat coward, to be honest with you. You know, when I like, I can talk a big talk, but when it comes to actually putting one foot in front of the other, boy, I fall down and start crying really quickly. <laughs> and, you know, I want, the reason it stands out so much is that I think it has to do with, you know, the the leadership piece, yes, it's important as a leader to be bold because ultimately you're the one who has to, to make the tough decisions to turn or to pivot or to continue, right, in the direction you're going. Um, you have to be bold to have strong conversations when they need to be had. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but yeah, you know, I think about just a willingness to step out right I, you know, peter comes to mind in the boat right there's a big storm and the apostles are all freaking out and here comes jesus walking across the lake in the middle of the storm and he's like hey come here <laughs> peter's like really he's like yeah and he steps out right and uh, you know i would have been the guy who's like you're lying there's no way i'm going out there you know, but then he takes a couple of steps and he takes his eyes off Jesus, right? Which is always the case when you're asked to step out because, you know, his his plan is always something way different than we think are what we think is best, right? There's this, there's this secret little door. There's this push, this nudge, this pull. And he's like, oh, no, over there, over there. And you're like, yeah, right. That's crazy. Not over there. That doesn't make any sense, right? This is safe. It makes sense. It's logical, right? This is what I've been thinking and leading up to. And so, you know, my whole life, it's been one of those of you you kind of just let opportunities pass by because you're unwilling to step out. In he that he said that uh, in, in his extra quote, quotes, you know, be bolder than you think you should be. Too many dreams die of timidity. And I, I appreciate his uh, his bonus. Don't let fear win. Yep, you're afraid. Go for it anyway. And Paul, I'm, I'm glad you brought in the idea of the conversation because I think that that's, that's probably the biggest place where we freak out and we don't do it. How many conversations that we know that we need to have do we not have either because we don't think we can control ourselves or we we think it'll get better so i i just assume you know and so we don't have them but that boldness and particularly our conversation i i think that that's kind of a critical piece erica did you have a thought on this i think i would ask our audience and you guys to ask yourself this question when you look back on your life and um what you have experienced, um, you know, the opportunities that you've taken. Ask yourself, if I was too afraid to take that, where would I be now? Um, I, I think all the time about when I first reached out to Sally Walner here about getting a job. I really wanted to get out of the, my previous job. It was an extremely toxic work environment. Um, but, you know, being new to the church and just becoming a member and, you know, I was like, there's no way, there's no way they're going to have full-time position for me in my exact career field um, <laughs> with the pay I'm looking for to be able to sustain my life. Like, there's just no way. And I was terrified. I was terrified to reach out to Sally because I was like, is she going to think like, oh my gosh, who's this new girl coming into the church asking for a job? Um, but I, I, I just, I had to do it. I took the leap of faith. I was terrified. I was like, I don't know what she's going to say. I was scared of being rejected. Um, and, and look where we are now, you know, St. Paul's at that exact time was looking for someone full-time um, with my background. Um, and that was all a part of God's plan. And I think to myself all the time, if I was not bold enough to reach out to Sally after being a part of this church for one week um, and asking for a job, um, where would I be today? I'll tell you, I would probably be in a place where I wouldn't want to be because I'm not working here. And um, it's, you know, ask yourself that question when it comes to certain parts of your life. It's re it's really interesting what you'll find the answer to be. It's interesting uh, in in the Chronicles of Narnia, um, and this and that's a that's a good exercise. It's also one that I would say comes with a caution. Um, mm -hmm. 
uh, Aslan will make the comment because uh, the children will have uh, Lucy in particular. I think it's the the voyage of the Dawn Treader realizes that because of her action, a negative thing will happen. And she says, do you mean to say if I hadn't done this thing, it wouldn't be this way? This would have been the outcome? And Aslan says, one can never know what would have been. Mm -hmm. We can know what will be. And uh, yeah. I think that that's really, you know, God doesn't, God doesn't think along those lines. And so, yeah, I, I think that there's some value in, in, in uh, reflecting on the, on the man. Mm -hmm. Boldness was a really important part of my story and uh, the what if, right. and can they, they can be helpful. Just be careful with it. Right. Right. It can be dangerous. And I think I want I then want to reiterate now, Mike, that, um, I think it's more of the reflection piece where I'm so, I can sit back at peace and be so grateful and thankful that I was bold enough to take that step. Not so much looking back and kind of wondering what would have been because this was always the plan, right? right, right. Um, but taking that time to be so grateful for what God has given you and the blessing that for me, this job has brought me, I think is really important. Yeah, that's good. Um, just one more thought, Mike, um, yeah, before I cut you off and it, as you're leading into your last one, you know, um, it, it kind of what I love about all of these is they, you, you, you kind of find as you go through it and as we're discussing this, I'm noticing how each one is intertwined, right? Yeah. You try and pull one out. You, you can a little bit, right? It's a, it's a, right. it's got a specific nuance to it, but in reality, they're all wrapped up, right? So you know, if I, if I look at the be bold consideration, right, his final hurrah, be bold, right? Don't, don't let fear get in the way, right, of, of a step forward in something great. You know, it's, it's, it's when I look at the, the hesitation of myself, right? I, it's just inward. What's going to happen to me if I do this? Mm -hmm. You know, my eyes are no longer on God, you know, where if we, if we go back to, so with some of the earlier ones we talked about, right? Live like God loves you and everything you read in the Bible is true. Right. <laughs> you know, I think the fear would be dissipated pretty quick. Like you ask him the question and you're willing to ask other people the question, is this a good choice? You know, and then step out in peace Yeah, to do brave and bold things, you know? So I, yeah, just, uh, Go ahead. Yeah, it's a good last one, my friend. Yeah, seasoning, seasoning uh, the whole thing is seasoned with the idea of being bold. Because um, mine is number six. I, I thought this was an interesting one that from a leadership standpoint, you probably don't think much about, uh, particularly if we're a little bit younger. Um, but this idea of be generous when you have no money. Be generous when you have no money. Um I, the older I get, the more I realize that generosity is the antidote to so much self-centeredness. Um, when I, when I'm willing to be generous with my comments, with my attitude toward other drivers <laughs> on the roadway, um, the, the decision to be generous toward my employer or my clients, um, Within boundaries, you know, I, I I need to be able to have my priorities set straight. But boy, the concept of generosity, and not because well, God did it for me, so I guess I got to do it for everybody else. That's not the posture of the gospel and the heart of God. But it's He so loved us, He's generous not only to give us salvation, but to everything that we need. Um, what happens when I apply that same mindset? And this is for, for those of you who might be listening in uh, in your teens, uh, in your early 20s. I work with a lot of college students. And, and what I'll hear from everybody, I have no time and I have no money. And we also know that's not true. Um, as older people, um, we'll all say the same thing. I have no time and I have no money. <laughs> um, there's never going to ever be enough for what the human heart sinfully desires. However, if you learn the skill of practicing generosity, when you have, in your opinion, nothing, you learn to be generous with what you have, 
that changes hearts. Uh, I heard it said that, you know, you can't be anxious and thankful at the same time. And uh, so if you're struggling with anxiety, one of the best ways to be able to do that is be thankful. And part of your expression of thankfulness is to be generous um, with people. And so I, I really, I really appreciated that one as a, as a seasoning of leadership. Maybe it's, it's kind of an obtuse, not, you wouldn't necessarily guess generosity this way. It's a, it's a really important leadership principle, but I thought that that was one worth, worth mentioning. I was watching a video of a, a girl I follow online talks a lot about her faith and, you know, it was, you know, she's making a 30 second video and she's like, you know, I may, I may have uh, $75 in my checking account, but guess what? I was able to pay my rent. I was able to buy my groceries and I was able to feed my dog this week. Um, and it really, you know, I think half of her is being funny, half of her is being serious. Um, but she was like, I was, I was blessed. God blessed me. God gave me what I needed to get through this week to live my life. And um, it really put it in perspective for me. I think it's easy for us to be like um, that idea of we don't, we don't have enough. Um, And in some ways, I think you'll always feel like you said, Mike, it will, there'll never be enough time. There'll never be enough resources. Um, Take what you have now while you have it. And something that always stuck with me that my Nana has said, is she's like, the money's not going with me when I die. Um, so she, she's made an active effort her whole life to be so generous with her time and her money, um, for her children and her grandchildren. Um, and it's made an impact on the legacy that she is going to leave behind. Um, not, not just the financial, but the emotional legacy that she's leaving behind because the woman was so generous throughout her life. Because at the end of the day, she was like, all I'm taking with me to heaven are my memories of you guys. Um, and I kind of grew up hearing that all the time and that was really instilled in us. That's good. Well, this has been a good, uh, a good conversation. I appreciate us, you guys taking some time to chat with me and give your thoughts and, and do this little exercise. We've, we've been talking about doing it for a little while and in, in this format where we're taking something that was written and using it as a topic. And the, the question really is, uh, if, a leadership is influence and I have influence and how can I lead better? And so this is um, lessons on leading better uh, part two. Uh, this is part of Carrie Newhoff's uh, blog. It's in the show notes that you guys can read on your own as well and maybe have some of these conversations or share with uh, coworkers or family members um, or just download and take a look at it and reflect on it for yourself. Um, there's another list that's sitting on my, my wall called lessons for longevity. And maybe one of these days we can tackle that one too. But, uh, but for now we are at our time and, uh, I just want to thank Erica. Thank you, Paul, for being with us. Thank you, Mike. Yeah. No, thank you, Mike. Yeah. Oh, that's a, that, that felt so forced. Like, all right, let me put up the cue card. I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> Mike, we really appreciate you having us on. Job well done. Oh, thank you. You've been a great leader by example for us. Now we're over the top. Yep, and pulling us out of our comfort zone. Thank you. Yes, you're welcome. We're just going to keep doing more and more of these. So, uh, for all of you who are listening, thanks for joining us with this great question, great conversation. We hope that it has been helpful. You can find out more information at St. Paul Mosquito, S T P A U L Mosquito. And you can learn more about the ministries that we have here. But until next week, I'm Mike Westendorf. Thanks for listening to Great Questions and Great Conversations.